0: Give it up for those that cross the line. He's still moving, isn't he? I said he's still moving, isn't he? And there's just people in here that are just coming in in the last couple months or the last couple weeks or maybe this is your first time. That could be you because God is stirring in our community and has been for 20 years. And it's been an awesome thing to look back the last 20 years and see all that he's done. I came here when I was 30 years old. And I had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And now I have gotten two nurses out of college and one in her sophomore year. And I was talking to Phil, and all his are graduated and off and teaching in schools and in college. So it's pretty awesome. And uh, I just love that he's still doing what he's always done around here, which is meeting people where they're at, letting them know they're loved, and calling them into a transformed life. And that's what we celebrate around here Hey, I want to do something I want to introduce Phil Struckmeyer And have him come to this stage And could you give him a rousing applause As our founding pastor of Impact Way back when, baby This is the yeah, guy This
1: means I'm old <laughs> Oh,
0: man Look at these people Look at these people. I know when you first came, it's just you and a vision God put on your heart. And in many ways, just sitting out there today in the last 20 years, you still live in this community and you've just seen waves and waves of how God has moved and your obedience to Christ and what it's led to. Um, what is that like for you just to kind of for the last couple of decades, just kind of come in here and be like, wow, wow, I didn't even necessarily have this in mind, but God had something cool in mind.
1: Yeah, it would definitely have to be about God's mind and God's doing and God's plan just blown away. Um, if there's a thing within it, it's like if we take his word at face value, we give our lives, lives to it, we live it out. Uh, that's when he does his thing. And I think his thing is something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I remember um, I didn't know Phil when he first planted the church. Um, it was about a year in where I joined. And you and I, I came from Ohio, and you came down from here, and we met in Toledo at Denny's um, and started talking about the movement of Christianity up here. And uh, I remember your ear was bleeding profusely down your cheek. I don't know what happened. You remember that? And... um,
1: as it often does, as yeah. a shaving man. Yeah, once he was in a, a shaving man, and I uh, didn't, I I didn't know him enough to be then. like,
0: dude, you have blood trickling down your jaw. And uh, at the end, he was like, "Oops, sorry about that." You yeah, know, right. but church planning is pretty brutal, It isn't is. it?
1: it? You is. start
0: bleeding out your ears at some point.
1: Jesus bled; we should bled, bleed.
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. I want to go back to the beginning, even before you came here. You actually didn't go to school to go to seminary and be a pastor, and you weren't a Bible student necessarily. Um, but something like awakened in you when you were a, a teacher. Just maybe go into the early stages of calling to actually become a planter.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Andrew and I had graduated from Western Michigan University, we're both high school teachers and coaches and started attending a church in Battle Creek, Michigan that um, not that different than kind of the expression of church that impact is today. And it was, um, we were new there when they had actually a leadership transition. And because we were new and the senior pastor that had come and kind of his team, they were also new, we became friends. We got connected and such. And so it was actually them kind of taking us under their wing as we were kind of new at that church, them setting uh, kind of fresh vision for that church and what it was going to be. And them seeing something in Andrea and I, them seeing something in me that was more um, than just teaching, but was um, ultimately about impacting youth. And they had an opening in their student ministry and asked me to step into that. And uh, actually, Andrew and I, we passed for about a two-year window and taught because we were just getting started and all that. But two years after teaching, the same offer came back around and a really cool story that you'll have to have a coffee with Andrea and I about sometime yeah, yeah. to hear how we just knew it was then that God was calling us into youth ministry at that time. And um, yeah, never, never would have thought it. Yeah. Kind of had a altar boy fraternity boy. Luckily, Andrea rescued me in my restless college years. Kind of backstory, which doesn't make necessarily the best pedigree for ministry. <laughs> but it seems to have worked because uh, of God. You know, and would, you
0: say, would you say that's part of the reason why you always look at people who come to church on a weekend and say, you're doing something right now, but if you gave your life to the Lord, he could use you in the kingdom and full-time ministry to give yourself to him completely, no matter what you think you are and no matter where you come, came from. If yeah. you say yes, he can use you.
1: Yeah, definitely that, but really even growing through that of like just the called life. Every one of us has a called life that should require us to drop everything and follow Jesus and find others that are going in that same direction. Yeah. So it can be a, a variety of, you know, really any vocation is, is a sense of calling to what it is God has wired you up for to go after in this world, and it can all be redemptive. Um, so... I feel like, man, when churches have a called culture that all of us are living and searching for that, yep, some are hopping career fields and, um, you know, transitioning into ministry, some out of ministry. We have great stories around impact of people who have left uh, the marketplace to come into ministry and they've gone back into the marketplace after being in ministry. It's all about that called life and having that called sense alive in you that is Christ and you wanting to be alive in him. Yep.
0: I, I remember when I first came here, you said a verse over and over and over again, and I think it was pretty instrumental in your call. You were in like a Nav 2-7 group with John Hitler in that Deuteronomy passage. Um, yeah. I wanted to just spring it on you to see if you still yeah, right? remember that one because you memorized it yeah. from Deuteronomy 30. You want to share that with everyone here because I think that gave you permission in a way that was like, I want that to happen in my life. I believe that.
1: Yeah, it really was, was a prayer. It's like a, we pray scripture, right? And if we're living that sense of a called life, you will be desperate. You'll be, you'll be out of your mind because you're out there in faith and chasing God into space that you, you don't know what the outcome is. You don't know how that's all gonna work. You, that's, you should be living a life that requires you to read God's word Because then it comes alive and makes a lot of sense. So Deuteronomy was that.
0: I actually have the verse on the screen to see how well you do. Here we go. Didn't tell you about that.
1: Okay, Um, I'll tell you what translation this is, if it's a little different than the one up there, because it would just be a little different than the one up there. Um, Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will get it, who will ascend heaven and get it. And proclaim it to you so you may obey it. No, nor is it across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to you so you may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God. Oh, no, 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 no to love the Lord your God to walk in his ways to follow his command no, to follow his commands decrees and laws because then you will live and you will increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering Give to that oh. Up. Woo! Oh. Yeah? yeah spot on yeah spot on and it, it's there and, like, this, and you
0: need it and this is something that he wasn't a pastor yet right He's just He took seriously, when the Bible says stuff like this, you actually can go and do this. You don't read it as hypothetical or theoretical. This turned into actual, and he left and went to a place, and it wasn't over land and sea, but it was an hour away to come to a brand new community. Uh, 20 years ago, you moved your family to Lowell, not knowing a single soul. What was that like? And what caused you to take that risk? I have a picture of you and your family in the early years. (laughs) And uh, what was that like for you and Andrea to just be like, man, we're leaving everything we've known and we don't know anybody. God, here we go.
1: Yeah. um, So we did four years of youth ministry in Battle Creek, and that was like the... Preparation it was a four year residency to go and plan a church. back then, they were actually calling church planning is just youth ministry for big people. <laughs> so we had done four years and see God, saw God do amazing things in youth ministry, and it was really that picture of us being called to go do that somewhere for other lives, for families, to reach a community and the district that we were um, the West Michigan district of the Wesleyan Church was kind of whose arm we were under or wing we were under. Uh, it kind of laid out five communities that were seemed receptive or would be uh, places of need for a new church to go, and Lowell was on the list, and when we were teaching, Andrea was a track coach, and one of her athletes uh, had qualified for high jump in the state meet, and that was hosted in Lowell that year, yeah. and so um, not the year that we were discerning all this, but like maybe five years before all this, but we had said then, huh, I wonder about Lowell someday. So when it came around that church planning became this possibility and on this list was Lowell, that was like first to our minds of like, okay, let's check that one out first. So there was like receptivity to the community, knowing it was a bedroom community of Grand Rapids. We did some visits, some uh, prayer trips up here, and there just seemed something that was bringing us to life. And what really moved us was the question was, um, who is God calling the Struckmeyers to be? Back to calling, each of us living a called lives, our marriages living called lives, our families living called lives, and it was, uh, where is God calling us as a family to be the Struckmeyers he's calling us to be? And once we had that sense that it was Lowell, we might have peed our pants because then we like, realized we would have to go and do this, but we knew it's what we were gonna do yeah. and what God had for us in that. So yeah. um, faith, adventure, you know, all the way in that. But when you have that sense of calling and uh, you're united with Christ in that, and Him and you, you go. Yeah, yeah.
0: I pulled up a couple pictures. Uh, there was opening day on October 5th, if you can see it there. Join us for our grand opening. <laughs> the sign that you just put up maybe a little while <laughs> yeah, before right. people showed up in the 11th hour all that was happening and then the next picture shows like this little oh, a yeah. frame on Lincoln Lake that you redid the entryway and painted the inside yeah. from what you always used to call an old crusty church yeah. tried to turn it into like uh,
1: panera bread
0: Panera bread that was the goal that was um,
1: could we make this like? What what was
0: that day like, launch, where everybody's prepared and you're like, is anybody going to come?
1: You'd probably have to ask Andrea because I was probably just running around like a chicken with my head cut off, not knowing what in the world (laughs) I was doing going on. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was a team of lives that had come together, had about a nine-month run up to that, and so there were about 30 of us at the core. Of uh, the launch team, it would be referred to. And it was all of us just living on this same edge, probably all of us thinking about Deuteronomy 30, that boy, this sure seems impossible, but it's not. It's, it's in us, it's near us, it's gonna happen. And um, maybe going we had done, to
0: that church nine months earlier had what, 12 people come in and they came in and shut it down, put it yeah. into a coma. Yeah. So it really was a church that died. Um, and then you kind of came and were like, maybe God can do something fresh here. That
1: was one of the families in the uh, play group that Andrea had become of, and it was kind of our first circle of friends in the community and stuff. One of them, uh, about six weeks into knowing them, like, wow, I really like you and Andrea, and you've got the two boys, and you look like a good family. Why did you move here to try to start a church in a church building That just closed. (laughs) And I was like, I appreciate that objective um, kind of thought (laughs) and question. And it's like, I guess I didn't really think about that, you know, (laughs) right? No, it's just that faith of uh, what God can do. And uh, we believed it. It's like a wildfire, like the book of Acts, like this whole series is about when a small pocket of people start believing this and God starts moving the way that he can move in our lives and your faith filled and you chase this.
0: And so Acts had captured your heart, particularly Acts 2 it yeah. captured your heart. Um, and I knew that cause when I came a year in, All roads led to Acts 2 and Acts 1-8. And no matter what Phil was speaking on that weekend, he ended up speaking on Acts 2. You know, if it was like a marriage thing he was talking about, let's come back to Acts 2 and really land the plane.
1: Nick Drew and Emily joke at every family gathering that we have, the same (laughs) thing. It goes to Acts 2.
0: Yeah. Right, which is pretty awesome. We were talking last week as we got together. You're like, I don't know if I'd read very far beyond Acts 2, um, and all the other things like persecution and martyrdom that happened and all the I just knew acts two was really cool, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to read that together and um and then maybe just have you share why that captured your heart.
1: Can you read that uh, for us? I almost have that one memorized, but I won't put myself on the <laughs> on the spot like that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. A lot of times I start at verse forty one. Because it's where Peter just got up. He was bold and courageous, told the gospel, and 3,000 other believers just jumped into who they are. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved.
0: And that captured your heart. I just I want to know why that early church spirit captured your heart, so yeah. and made you be like, I'll give my life to that. Yeah. to seeing that happen again.
1: It, it'd be like the. It's possible. Like that's that is possible. Like if lives would give themselves to what God calls us to, you could have that. And I think Andrea and I, when we were first attending that church in Battle Creek, that happened. And we came from amazing homes where we grew up. In Acts 2, communities in a sense. I didn't know it was that then. But when you taste and see life being lived like this, it, it, that's what's so transformational. It's like that's a pocket of the kingdom of God on earth. That's as close as it gets on Earth to where in heaven when you live like that, and technically that that passage is um, spoke on and talked of as when people live out the Great Commandment, when you just sell out to loving God and loving people, you get that's how you get this. You, you love God, you love people, you make disciples, which is you, you help other people love God and love people. And this is what wells up in a pocket of lives that will be committed to that. Our vision statement was the, um, to see a culture of impact created uh, through a radical devotion to Christ, a ruthless commitment to loving one another, and a relentless dedication to reaching others. And that's the great commandment. Love God and love others. Devotedly, committedly, dedicatedly, just everything in your life for that. And then there's a shot of this happening. And we, we tasted it there. And then among that first 30 here at Impact, that's what was happening to us. That's what we were starting to see. And again, the favor that God then starts to add, you become contagious and kind of attractive to others that see lives living like that. And then God starts adding to that. And um, what a does the church is turn possible. into
0: when they deviate from that and just turn into the, the services once a week where you come and you put on that face and check the box? Yeah,
1: just like bad religion is when we just do that and we forget why. And you can just keep doing what you did and you can't figure out why it's become lame and stale yeah. and stagnant. It's just the fire has gone out and that kind of that outrageous or that outlandish faith, lives that again, Andrea and I were not the only ones that sold everything to to come to Lowell. My brother and sister-in-law, those that already lived here dropped their way of life. And it's harder to actually drop your way of life and stay right where you are. That's why most of us won't really change much. We don't have to. So many times it's that move and like your family, Um, my brother's sister-in-law, there were others relocating, and just those kind of faith stories that that's, you know, alive, it's living, it's active, um, and, you know, unfolds like that. Yeah, I uh, got a
0: picture of you and Andrea, just in case people don't know who she is. She's a teacher in the middle school, um, and just so critical to impact, like, coming up with the name, Impact, um, maybe just even share about that, how you would talk, pillow talk, you know, together, dreaming about this. How did you come up with the name, Impact?
1: Um, yeah, that would be, yeah, like the high school teaching together. I make the shift to youth ministry. She stays teaching, that kind of stuff. Just our hearts and conversations always the same. So, so much of the youth ministry was out of our, our talking and yeah. um, such, but the, it was actually at the youth ministry in Battle Creek, it was called Project Impact, uh-huh. and it was after three days. It really is uh, what Love Week is now that Project Impact was back in the day. It was one Saturday, and we went out throughout all of Battle Creek as a student ministry and hit 13 sites. Uh, They were either work sites, serving sites, or ministry points throughout the city that had been set up. And it really was, that's why we were, I don't know if everyone knew this or not, but that's why we were doing what we were doing for three years is so that we could move outside our walls and see transformation in our community and an impact made in our world. And so Project Impact then that the, just the church as, is that a verb, impact? All right, sorry. Just it's a public spe- speaking stupid moment. Sorry. Uh, impact that it should it should be action oriented, and the yeah. church ought to be. And so Andrea probably fortunately helped filter out other ones. Like I wanted to call it acts impact, because it, that's it. It actually act is in impact. So what was, we could call it impacts, and then acts is in it, that. Oh, she. <laughs> Definitely helped filter through much of that and stuff. But we got to impact because that's what it ought, ought to be. Watching the baptism videos, I just forgot this. One of our phrases was to see life change, and that was exemplified in baptisms. That's the life change. But to see a community transformed, and it was our world that we wanted to impact. Like if Christ is alive in us, life change, community transformation in an impacted world because of the gospel alive you know, in us.
0: I remember when I first came, everything was about breaking down words into LAT and MLT and CLS and and PCD and all this stuff. Um, But one of them is you had an acrostic for impact. And I know you and Andrea were really instrumental in that, but you pulled together a team. Can you just kind of go through those values? Because they live on with us today.
1: Yeah, that we had like a team thing going on where we fleshed those out. We had a vision, mission, kind of our purpose had already come together, but your values, you need to, they need to be reflective of who you are. They can't just be aspirational. So we worked as a team to say, who are we and what is God working in the most? This would have been with like the launch team and the leaders of it. And, um, came up with, the, the words, but then we kind of wordsmithed it into this, but it was powerful of how much it said yeah. who, we, who we were and your values are the way that you're gonna accomplish your vision and your mission. They, that's kind of the what you're going to do and maybe the why, but how? Like, what are the boundaries or what's the way you're going to cover it, that it was through this innovation, through multiplication, through participation, through authenticity, through contagiousness and through transformation, that if we, if we live out that radical, ruthless, and relentless vision, if we encounter other lives and offer the relationship we've experienced with Christ in our life and we do it like this, Then that's going to be the best reflection of God and what He wants His church to be. Um,
0: Just can, if you can just take a second, just give me a nickel version of why each one of those are just essential to you.
1: Um, Yeah, we had really good phrases that went with them. Um, Like the innovation was all about God's creativity. Do you know how creative our God is? How would our ministry and our church not reflect God's creativity? We ought to be innovative with everything we do. Multiplication would be nothing's for ourself or just another. It's for the other, other. The disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple or a church that raises up a church that raises up a church. So that has to be and is in our DNA of what we do. Participation, this is not a spectator sport. No sitting in a seat and watching, being entertained. This is not gladiator. You're not gonna be entertained here. It's to be uh, participated in. Uh, the authentic was just the relational um, and where the church was kind of the church in our culture and that kind of stuff. 20 years ago, authenticity was so important. Uh, the contagiousness is just the truth of that Acts 2 community. Why there was favor and why got added to that number is it had gravity to it of people were living the way we were created to and what we were created for, and we're all looking for that every day, and what's missing is like a, a picture of that, and if a group of lives will start to live like that, it becomes that force, so contagiousness. And then transformation is that um, we'll love you where you're at. I think you guys say that all the time. We'll love you where you're at, but you're not staying there. Transformation. We can be more, do more, as Emily says all the time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I always love this story, and I wasn't here, but when I heard it, I I feel like the small beginnings, um, every one of us want to do great things, but we just don't want the small beginnings. And... The risk that it takes, I remember you were putting out flyers and inviting people to come to an orientation of who you were, and you were at the old crusty parsonage next to the building. Everybody on the team had invited everybody to come, and you had the condiments, and you had the finger foods, and you had the spread, and you were ready to go. And a few people from the team came, and nobody showed up but one woman. Talk about that one woman that showed up. There's a picture of her baptizing somebody right here. Talk about Cindy Wessel for a second. Who I'll talk about is the what I
1: affectionately call the Mother Teresa of church planting, <laughs> Cindy Wessel. Yeah, it was a, we call them vision chats, and it was just to get this vision mission, get a, the group of us that were together at that point to help grow that. So it was Dan and Rachel Statt, and it was my brother-in-law and sister-in-law Ryan and Angelie yeah. and Andrea and I um, that were inviting the world to come and hear yeah. about it and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, Cindy was the only person who came, and just the connection that happened there—that we had all kinds of backstory. It eventually led—I'm trying to think if we were connected through her, but she knew the guy that yep. connected Jason and I yep. when we were looking you know, through that. So Cindy Wessel was just another one of those first 30 lives, first in on the launch team that lived out that X2 picture. I remember her, she sold a sports car, kind of hobby recreation car that she had so that Ryan, who had come, sold everything, moved here kind of thing to be part-time youth pastor and worship leader when we started, she sold that vehicle so he could be, I'm not sure I'm supposed to say this out loud. I forgot if that's confidential. It was 20 years ago, so <laughs> it, it's fine. But, yeah. she, that I mean, it was. Possessions and goods were sold, so needs could be met. And um, all, all of those 30 and those first added, but Cindy yes. so led the way. and Yeah, I had amazing. another picture
0: of... This was very normal for her to be next to you and Andrea. Just, how's the event going? Is everything going okay? How are you guys doing? She was that Priscilla in the early church that was close to you guys and helped you together, watched your kids. Um, I remember when I first came here, Phil had sort of a psychosis of waking up as early in the morning as any human being would allow him to, and she would be up. She ran a whole business, but she'd be up at 5.30 in the morning, 6 in the morning, several times a week just talking about where things were at. And uh, this last picture is when I remember I had come here. I'm up there in the orange, and my wife's in front of me. Um, We just went to Chicago for a conference and there wasn't money for it. And she just laid down all the coin for us to go to that conference so that the early stages of Christ followers, like somebody who sold belongings and gave of herself in a massive way, just would not have been here without somebody who was in business and entrepreneurial laying down Massive life and massive resources to make it happen. So yeah. powerful. I, I want to bring up some other pictures of people and I want you to tell me what you think about them and what they meant to you in their early stage. This is what you affectionately called the Myers. Yeah. Um, when did this relationship start and how important was it there in the beginning?
1: Yeah, it probably really started when Ezra was about Eight months old, and I set him down thinking he could walk at that age. Maybe the first time I met Dan and Rachel, they were over for dinner, and then Ezra tipped over and fell right down because eight months old, eight (laughs) month olds don't do that. That's when I knew we were bonded that they this was going to last. Um, but But they they lived lived right across across the street, right? right. They lived right across the street from uh, the house at the church, kind of thing, and our kids. Um, we're born together, <laughs> grew up together and just truly, um, I can't even describe the relationship the Stapmeyer. It's a, we're a family and, um, yeah. it wouldn't have happened, um, without, without that, that friendship. That, yeah. How about,
0: how about these next people?
1: Yeah. Cy and Lori Floyd, that, um, they were always taking care of us kids and he was instrumental, and Andrew remember and I when moved he'd in, say,
0: "You boys, I don't know what you're doing around here, and we're in our early yeah, 30s. Yeah. You boys. Yeah, that yeah. was
1: that. And then when we were transitioning to move out of that house that was attached to the parking lot and the church, just because of all everything, an invaded home while we're trying to raise our family, he was key in helping us get to a house. He called it our. We need to get you guys a creep which I guess that is a pen within the pen that you put the baby animals in to protect them from the big animals. So he referred to us finding that house off the property, this safe space so that we're not yeah. smashed or uh, from that. So yeah, unbelievable. Lori did all the finances and figured out how to do finances in a way that we could up and run and we could help start other churches. She helped uh, to the degree of helping other churches that we were helping start and yeah. became even a referral basis of other churches using just all kinds of again, life laid down to help make possible. yeah how about how about this couple that came in? Yeah, Scott and Bonnie Davis were another one of those just um, family. We uh, talk about uh, refrigerator rights. You know, you got a lot of friends, but who has refrigerator rights? Who has laundry room rights? This kind of stuff that these are definitely getting into pictures of people in those spaces. Yeah,
0: we're here all the time yeah, for yeah. 20, 30 hours a week, Bonnie. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, how about these last two guys? Uh, they're still around here. Uh, yeah, but, right. Uh, early
1: days. You guys know, right? Maybe speak that, of Bruce
0: being here on the LAT. He came in and was on the LAT in a month or two. Yeah, um,
1: yeah some of that. Um, Bruce was amazing uh, just bringing in some level headedness that was so wildly needed in those early days of impact and his heart and his understanding. And, um, when the editors came a part of it, that that was just the, really the space and the role, um, even helping Cindy almost became a little bit of the three heads or we would always bounce and make sure all three of us are on the same page of things, you know, moving forward in that. And again, he, 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 like everyone, just it was a complete faith journey for everyone. There wasn't like lower and safe commitments and things like that. It was like everyone all in, uh, no matter what space you were going to be in to help make this happen.
0: Yeah, and Dan was basically in a reputation way. Everybody in the community knew he was a womanizer and a drug dealer and just not a good all around guy and God transformed his life you were really critical in that one time where you're like you're going to tell your wife about everything and we're coming clean and no more being fake and that guy hasn't we were just talking this week he hasn't been here seven of the last eight weeks because he's on mission out at camps going to churches he sent out you yeah. know, just that rabid Christ follower. Yeah, he's a,
1: where in the world is he ministering? Ministering and the points in his ministry are just crazy, as crazy almost as his conversion story. And uh, Kid Zone was such a part of that. Him and Bruce, and there was a slew Dan stat where like the just hero status in Kid Zone. That was they wear tutus and roller yeah. skates yeah. for
0: our kids. Yeah. yeah, they lost all their reputation just for yeah, the sake yeah. of the next generation.
1: For the sake of Christ.
0: I wanted to just sort of move along because it wasn't just about creating something here in Lowell. Like you came. And I think this was psychotic for people in Lowell that it was hard to just get a church that was thriving, a fresh expression of Christ. But from the beginning, you always talked about we're a church that's gonna plant other churches. And there's a verse that you talked about ad nauseum from Acts eight. And in the oh, yeah. series of Acts, this is where it starts, waiting on the Holy Spirit. Maybe read that one, Acts
1: eight. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Just what does that mean to you, and how did that
0: capture you, even before you knew what it really meant?
1: I would say, the early on it was, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Lowell, and in all of Portland, and Beldine, and to the ends of all the earth. That that That's just pretty true. Like, that verse, like the Acts 2 passage, it's possible. Like, that's prescriptive. Go shoot for that. That should happen. if That's Jesus talking to his disciples. That's Peter who acts on it in chapter 2 of Acts, that then the Acts 2 community comes out of his words because he believed it and that it's possible. So that was the 3 and 5 and 10 and 10. Like, why would we start a church and just start a church for what, us? And just like who we reach, that the Acts one eight vision is you you start a church so that it will start a church so it will start a church, or as we call it then bands of Christ followers is such a better word of what it looks like I actually when lives come together. The mission for Mission
0: statement. Maybe read that, that through and just what this meant to you.
1: Yeah, that's the to engage in the movement of Christianity by being a band of Christ followers who raise up other bands of Christ followers by reaching for unindeed church lives and outlying bedroom communities of. West Michigan, and beyond. Now, one picture that comes to
0: my mind is when you're out by that little crusty building, A-frame, there's a band of people around you. It was in the video before the service. And you're cast in this vision. Did they look at you like this guy's drunk, like Acts 2, like they did with Peter? Like you were sharing this stuff. I can only imagine was one of those verses or songs that you used. What were they looking at you thinking? Like you're not even yep. gonna make it here, bro.
1: I bet like Cindy and Andrea and Bruce maybe got together and be like, "Well, let's get this first one started, okay? Let's." I mean, sure, you can you can dream that, you can think that, but let's get this first one going. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, so there's that. But then it is it's it's God's word. It's true. It's believable if we put our faith there, and that, that's the picture of what it can, can be. Yeah. And so um, that, and it was the proof of God's word is like, and that's kind of how it happened. It was a band of Christ followers, that first 30 that come in guns a-blazing like that, that the initial movement happens out of, and then others grow from that. And then there was a group that really, it happened like this, that heard about it in Portland, heard about something going on, or they wanted a a new church in the community of Portland, and they talked to our district office. They said, talk to uh, Impact in Lowell. And so a group of people, like a band from over there, started coming over to Lowell and attending Impact and caught on fire. And because of that three and five and 10 and 10 vision, they're like, oh, we're not here to stay. We're here for a while so that we can then take this back. And our first plant was because a group that came from there, came here, got equipped, went back, and Jerusalem hit Judea, which is a community near you like you. Judea and Jerusalem were alike and kind of the same kind of people and culture kind of stuff going on. And then Belding was... Jim Bowen raised up from within, so different. But that was a mission field like Samaria. It's near us, but it's of a different kind of culture, socioeconomically, what the community just feels like is, is different, and it was more of that mission field sending. But if we were three and five and 10 and 10, and if this is true and we're alive in him and him and us, we do, you yeah, know? I so remember, Jim and Rachel Bowen yep. um, gave it all up to yep. go and uh, see what happened here, not stay here. Uh, It was Ed and the Savandas were kind of the core for Portland and then the Bowens. And Mm -hmm. again, a team around them that left impact and the comforts of everything impact. I saw the Kleins here. I know they were a part of that initial launch team.
0: Yeah, I think I I put that goal, three churches in five years, 10 and 10, and we hit that. And I didn't actually believe we were gonna hit it, um, but we did. And it's because you just were Like I don't really care what happens. We're going after that. And the one thing that hit me in that mission statement um, that you had is unindeed church lives. And that to me is the probably out of all the phrases around here that you shared lives on to this day. Like our church is about unindeed churched people That even if you come here, you want to have a heart for people that either were part of church and they're just floundering right now, or they're de-churched and didn't grow up with it and have nothing to do with God. Like, where did that come from, that un de church phrase?
1: Yeah, Uh, it definitely would be the church in Battle Creek, that they were centered on that same kind of focus. But Andrew and I definitely resonating for the broken, like broken, hurting, and the need is an Acts 2 community for those that are hurting and broken. And that's a, if that's a church, it's like those that don't know that this is church. And unchurched is like never, just didn't grow up knowing or didn't have that experience. The D church is those that have the bad experience and, and leave because of that. How do we not go after the hurting, the lost, the broken, the un and the de churched. Um, and that was definitely like a 20 year ago thing where church culture was in West Michigan and across our country that we needed new expressions of the church. That um, when I, we came to Lowell, I met with a local pastor and he said, Well, it, it's got a decent faith community. If you're Baptist, there's a nice Baptist church for you. If you're Methodist, there's a good Methodist church for you. There's assemblies thing. Yeah, you know, it's not bad. The Catholic church seems pretty strong. Um, and then it was like, I guess if you're not one of those, though, there's not really anything for you. And that was kind of that space that we thought, that's perfect. That would be the D church in this community. We knew some numbers and that kind of stuff um, that brought us in.
0: And now we stand right here 20 years later crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: And from this one church, 45 churches have been planted out of impact okay. in this church. Okay. I think, uh, one of the things that was on the Phil's heart is 10% of everything that comes into our body in tithes and offerings is going to go plant churches. It's not for us. It's for the movement of Christ to reproduce and to spread. And, and I think we're upwards to almost $1.6 million since you started that, that we have not kept here, that we've given to planting and church planting across the board. Uh, we've had four capital campaigns since then. You were a part of uh, the, the one coming here in 2003, 2007 when we built the next Part of it, 2014, we expanded that, and then 2019, uh, we were able to raise nine million dollars and are debt-free because God goes before people when He trusts them and can entrust uh, what you've planted in our midst. Uh, From you and Andrea to 23 staff members in our church that are driving the mission now, and we've grown from the first gathering with just Cindy and that little band to 1,800 people on the weekends because you laid that kind of foundation for us. And you talked, we were in the coffee shop last week, and you talked about faith-filled and faithfulness and how the older you get, it's like about faithfulness, staying at the same thing through thick and thin. Why is that meaning more to you as the days go on?
1: Yeah, it was um, Joyce Grilly, who was... um, in one of the life groups and it was, this might've been seven years, five, seven years ago that it first really hit me. I drove by the building and that life group was still meeting. And so that would've been like 13 years later. And I was just like, Oh my word, the faithfulness of that life group, staying at it and going after it. And then it would really be last six, 12 weeks, that kind of stuff, just thinking about you and all that is happening here at Impact, and that was, I was like, man, all kinds of things, but in front of the line of all the things happening here is just faithfulness that has, for a long period of time, consistently led and given and continued sacrificing for the same thing back then, and um, I remember early days of Impact, it would be like, ah... You know forget about being faithful, just be faith-filled. Right? That can does make sense, doesn't it? We, you gotta be faith-filled, or you'll stay where you're at, and that's bad. But the the real challenge of Christ following is yes, yeah, stay faith-filled, but stay faithful, or you know, quick fires go out, you know, fires go out quickly if there's not faithfulness um, in that. And, To me, to see where impact is today, that first thought is, holy smokes, there have been so many people that have been so faithful over 20 years to stay, you know, driven by vision and mission and calling and to keep living it out again and again so that Acts continues, you know, it doesn't end at chapter 28. And Paul,
0: which is... Basically, you're the modern-day Paul, the serial church planter that just loves planting new works. He would write letters to churches, and a lot of those letters at the end, he'd give a final charge to stay faithful. Don't forget who you are. Um, I I would love for you to just share, like, a final charge to our church tonight. Just, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man, it would be that called life You've got to be living that. You, can't, you won't be alive in your, the life you're leading until you find that calling, that purpose that God has for you, and that comes from finding Christ in your life and committing to follow him as radically um, as you've probably never imagined. That's often what I talk about is like, I didn't even know to want this kind of life. It, it wasn't a dream or a goal. It was just crazy faith, crazy trust, crazy sacrifice, and obedience to what God calls us to in our life. So um, it's for every one of us. Uh, Andrew and I were teachers uh, attending a church just like this and didn't know he had this whole life and story for us. Um, And that's true of everyone in the seat, uh, uh, everyone in the seat in this place. And you have to keep living for that. Keep going after that. And some of us, it'll be like popcorn across here of who's being called to be crazy faith filled right now and go and step out and do something you you can't even imagine. And the people around you are scared about and who around here though is being called to be crazy faithful and and keep going and keep serving and keep grinding it out so that, um, I use a line a lot, you, you got to either be sent or you, you have to send. As a church, you, you have to be sending or being sent as a Christ follower. And that faith-filled tends to be the, those. And seasonally, uh, when he's calling you to that faith-filled next step, you, you have to take that. And when it's that faithful step, be faithful to that too. Yeah.
0: I, you know, I'd be remiss if I, I mean, we're talking about all the good stuff, but man, that song, Scars and Struggles on the Way, but with you, I'll say never once have, have you left us alone and been faithful. I know a lot of the scars. I remember the times your whole arm would go numb because of stress. And I remember just your family going through things with your kids. And I remember when we couldn't make our tithes and offerings and you took a massive pay cut to sacrifice. And um, you, you just did so much. I learned so much from you. And there are days where I'm going through it. And I just remember Phil went through so much worse. You can make it Jay. And you got to have people, these saints that have come before you are the St. Patrick of church planting. And we would not even be here without you and Andrea and your family and the people with blood, sweat and tears that laid down their lives. And we affirm you and we love you and honor you and appreciate you today in this place. Yeah. Can you, can you pray for our body? And then I'll pray for you as we leave.
1: Yeah. Heavenly Father, thanks for this night. Thanks for your word that shows us the lives that you have created for us to lead. May we all be inspired here tonight through your word and for your word that we would just go after it. Thanks, um, yes, God that we'd find ways for the word to be more alive in us and us to be more alive in your word. And I know it will lead to just more and more pictures like this. Mm -hmm. Um, A few few people being sold out uh, to you and for you, and that being something that spreads like wildfire through homes and families and communities and spreads, uh, to the very ends of this earth. So, um, thanks for the body, everyone who's ever been a part and made it up. Um, many have been hurt. Um, Hmm. I pray for healing and restoration, um, for those hurt and lost and, uh, moved by along the way. Um, yes, and just so grateful for the power that you move in, and how you just keep winning and pouring out your grace, your yes, truth, God. your love,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and your goodness into this world. So continue to do that, and ha- help us to be faith-filled, and help us to be faithful. Yes, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
0: Yeah, I think that's actually good enough. So why don't we just say thank you to Phil for coming and being with us tonight. Appreciate you, brother.
1: That's a lot